Uh, good evening. If you are surprised to see me up here, you are only slightly more surprised than I am. <laughs> Toby injured his eye yesterday and carried on this morning without uh, too much pain, I guess, but they went to the eye doctor this afternoon and the doctor told him he needed to uh, not be up and about and take it easy for a while and gave him some medicine, so he's recuperating hopefully quickly. Uh, so about mid-afternoon I got a call and asked to be plan B, so I was watching a baseball game, so I know about coming in out of the bullpen, so I'm ready. I have had an idea for uh, many years. I never did it, actually, but I always had a concept that a preacher could get by pretty well, actually, uh, without any preparation, uh, just by preaching the news. My theory was you could get up on Sunday morning and pick up the morning paper, back when we used to get morning papers, uh, and whatever the headline was, whatever was going on, uh, you could approach that from a Christian perspective and, and talk about especially moral issues and things like that are, that are always going on in the news. And you could probably come up with a pretty interesting and uh, relevant sermon pretty well every week. The other benefit to that, besides no preparation, would be that people would be interested in it. Uh, a lot of times we preach, I think, about things that people aren't really interested in. We answer questions that nobody's asking. But things in the news, things that are happening, uh, people wonder about it. And you may have some questions and thoughts when you see something, uh, the world in general, the one that doesn't have a Bible background and all that, they really wonder about some things. And I know that because we've been taking questions on Know Your Bible for 31 years uh, next month, and that's a lot of the things that people ask about what about this? And where does the Bible say anything about this? And what do you think about this policy or that or whatever? And we don't get into politics and don't do that game, and I don't intend to tonight. Uh, but people wonder, what's God think about some of these things that humans wrestle with and argue about and fight about and all that? Uh, so, that's been my long-time theory, and this afternoon after Toby called, my first response was, okay, I'll go find the files, and there's an old sermon in there somewhere that we can dust off and use, and then I thought, that's a perfect chance to try the theory. Uh, what's happening, what's happened this week that somebody might be wondering about? And so I thought about it just a little while, and I'm not saying it was the most important thing, but the first thing that popped in my head was all of the brouhaha and the, uh, excitement uh, about uh, the Paris Climate Accords and President Trump withdrawing the United States from that, and uh, half the people say it's a brilliant move, and the other half say the world's going to be gone tomorrow, and uh, it's all over. You know. And the reason that that one 
stuck when I thought about it was because when he called, I was answering Know Your Bible questions and uh, giving some written answers to some of the ones we've gotten lately. And just a little bit before I'd answered one, somebody called in and asked, where in the Bible does it say we're supposed to be good stewards of the earth? So that tied with the current event, I thought, well, let's just talk about that a little bit. And I know we've talked about environmentalism and all that, the, the radical end of it uh, in some of our Sunday night series before. Uh, but I thought, let's just take that and from a worldly perspective, what's the Bible say about that? Well, what's God think about all this? And what should a Christian think? What should be our take on it, our position? So let's talk about that for a little while, and then I'll let you go. Uh, first of all, let's go through the Bible, and we'll go back to Genesis to start. And when I say go through the Bible, this won't take us very long, because there's not much in there. In fact, the official answer to where does the Bible say we're supposed to be good stewards of the earth, uh, the official correct answer to that is it doesn't say that. Uh, not there. Not a biblical teaching. Uh, let's go to Genesis 1. And verse 26 is a good place to start. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heaven, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. All right, there's the account of creation. And some people read that and say, well, that says we're supposed to be good stewards of the earth. It doesn't say that. Uh, it says that God created the earth for humans. And he gave the earth to humans. And he told humans that they were in charge. That's all it says. He created the earth. He said it was a good job. He created man and gave the earth to humans, told us to subdue it, to have dominion over it, and to use it for our good. To eat from it, to profit from it, it's ours. And I know a lot of this is just going to sound her heretical to uh, people who have been raised in the last 20, 30 years, uh, but that's what the Bible says. 
as the earth is created for man's use, and man is put in charge of it to have dominion and control over it. Uh, and that's not the only passage that reinforces that. Let me look up Psalm 8-6 for you. You can write that down if you want, 8-6 of Psalms. Uh, the psalmist said, you, God, you have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and all the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. Uh, he's, he's talking about God giving everything uh, to Jesus there specifically, but it, it, the earth is given to us. Man has been put in charge. Now, other thing we need to know from the Bible, and let's go over to Colossians here. Like I said, we're going to look at five or six verses, and then we'll know everything the Bible has to say about being good stewards of the earth, or however you want to phrase it. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. Now, what do we got so far? Let's make sure we understand God created the earth for humans, and he put us in charge. That's all we got so far. Now, Colossians 1, 16, 17 says, For by him, that's Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. God created the earth for humans. He put us in charge of it. But who sustains it? That's a huge word today. Uh, It's right up there at the top of the millennial vocabulary is sustainability. The Bible talks about sustainability. And it tells us who sustains the earth. Jesus sustains the earth. He holds everything together. He keeps it working. He makes it function. Okay? Not the only place that says that. Hebrews chapter 1. We'll check that while we're here. Just make sure we get everything. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus sustains the universe. He keeps everything working. He keeps it functioning. He keeps it going. Okay. Now, we are kind of like Job on this. We don't understand how he does that. In fact, that was God's basic speech to Job when Job started questioning God. Job said, who are you to question me? You don't know where the rain comes from. You don't know how snow gets here. You don't know how animals were created. You don't know nothing. That was his basic answer. You don't understand this. Okay? So what we know is God created the earth for humans. He gave it to us, put us in charge, and Jesus, God, keeps it operating, keeps it sustained, keeps it functioning. Okay? The earth 
when we talk about it like a fragile thing that we're liable to mess up somehow and destroy, what we're saying is Jesus can't do his job. Jesus sustains it. He keeps it going. Yeah. And he does that in ways that I said we don't understand the basics. We really don't understand how the earth takes care of itself. It's not really taking care of itself. It's the system that Jesus operates. But it does take care of things. I mean, we panic when we have a flood or a oil spill or a volcano or something. We haven't seen anything in our lifetime. This earth, some things has happened. To, well, think of the flood. He flooded it. And it survived that. It, it got over that. Uh, there have been volcanoes in history that killed 100,000 people. Uh, there was one that put so much ash in the air that there was no summer that year. Uh, around half the world. There were no crops. Uh, can you imagine if that happened for a week today? You know, the government would pass 5,000 laws a day to stop that. But it happened, and the earth takes care of it. The earth got over it. Yeah. Well, there have been earthquakes that killed a quarter million people and, and moved a huge part of the ocean floor up 30 feet. And the earth adjusted. There said, okay, I can handle that. Actually, Jesus sustained it. One of the most recent ones, and even you millennials are old enough to remember the Gulf oil spill. Remember that? The Gulf was going to be done. You know, the whole coast was finished. You know, they could just close Mississippi and Alabama and Louisiana. It was all over. And a few months later, scientists said, huh, that was amazing. Because what they discovered was there was a bacteria that they had never even heard of, thought about, seen, discovered, that just came from everywhere in the Gulf and ate up the oil. They didn't know it existed. And they scratched their head and they said, huh. There's a microbe out there that cleans up oil spills in just a few months. That's the way the earth operates, because Jesus is operating it. So God created the earth for humans. He put us in charge of it. He is in the business of sustaining it. And here's the last point that the Bible talks about, is God is going to be the one who ends it. When he's ready. Okay? I, if somebody asks me, am I worried about man destroying the planet? I'm not a bit worried about it. Because I hadn't been assigned that task. God is going to do that. When God is ready, he's going to destroy it. Until then, he's going to sustain it and keep it going. And he promised... There would always be seed time and harvest, 
rain and snow, season, season after season, it's going to go until he decides to destroy it. Bible, folks. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 7. By the same word, he's talking about the, the word of God that created and all that. He says, by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Second okay? Peter 3, 7 says, the word of God is going to keep the earth here and he's saving, he's going to burn it up someday. But right now he's preserving it, he's sustaining it, he's going to keep it going. But in verse 10 he says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Okay, so that's the whole story on what God says about us being stewards of the earth. In a real short sentence, it's not our job. God created it for us. He gave it to us. He sustains it until he's ready to get rid of it, and then he's going to get rid of it. Our part in that isn't in the Bible. Okay. That's the story. That's it. That settles it. That, that answers the question. It's not our job to save the planet. Okay? Now, some of you, especially some younger ones, are looking at me like this guy is completely flipped out. This guy is just nuts. Okay? If you can show me somewhere in the Bible that says it's our job to save the planet, I'll go along with you. But it's not there. That's what the Bible says about us and our stewardship of the earth. Now, before you completely write me off, let me explain two mistakes that we make and get confused about, and maybe that will help you feel a little better about me. Uh, First of all, there's a big difference between conservation and stewardship and what we really ought to call environmentalism, and some people would qualify as radical environmentalism, but I don't see many grades of it, actually. Uh, There's a big difference between not littering and taking care of your acres and, and things like that and not burning down forests and not pouring oil in the river and things like that. There's a big difference between that and the concept that it's man's job to save the planet. Okay? Now, and for some folks that have been indoctrinated for the past 20, 30 years or all their life, that's real hard to understand that difference because it takes a little bit of thinking and a little bit of logic. But there is a difference there. Okay? Environmentalism strictly define the way people think about it these days, that it's our job to save the planet, that is technically a false religion. Okay, that, that is a worship of the earth 
Actually, it's worse than that. It's it's pantheism. It's Buddhism, Hinduism, New Age, all of that. Thinks that all of nature is deity somehow. And there is deity in humans and animals and rocks and rivers and, and all of that. Okay? And when you teach that, believe that, then we, since we're the most advanced somehow, how that happened nobody seems to know, but since we're the most advanced, it's our job to save all this. And if we don't protect this nature thing, then life can't continue. So it's all up to us. We got to do it. And that's why some people are so serious, one term for it. Crazy is another term for it, about saving the planet. Because they really think it's their job, and if they don't, life is over. They don't understand Colossians 1, 16, 17. God's got this one. He's sustaining things. He'll take care of it. We hadn't got the power to mess it up. Because he says he's going to keep it until he destroys it. And he's going to keep seed time and harvest and all the seasons happening until he decides to destroy it. And we can't do anything about that. Uh, When I said it's a false religion, it's... If you read the first chapter of Romans, Paul tells us what happens when people reject God. When you take God out of the equation, when you start where I did and you read the thing that God created the earth and he gave man dominion and you say, well, there's no God, that's just a myth. Well, then you got problems the rest of the way. Okay? And Paul tells us what happens if you take God out of the equation and where things go from there. And it's a scary story. You read Romans chapter 1. And one step in that downward slide, if you want to call it that, he says in Romans one twenty-five, he says one step that man takes after he decides he's not going to honor God is that he will begin to worship the creature rather than the Creator. Okay? We have gotten a whole lot of people to the Romans 125 stage. Okay? They worship creatures. A a little animal that... There's two of them in the whole state. It is more important than... Any kind of progress. And I'm not being political here. I'm just saying to do that, you've got to worship creatures rather than the Creator. If you worship the Creator, you read what it says, and it says, He's got this. He will take care of things. But when you stop doing that and worship the creature, then things get all out of whack. Uh, Mother Nature, you know, Mother Nature's not divine. Mother Nature's not anything. Just a term we dreamed up, but where it came from is the Earth Goddess. Earth, Earth is a God. 
We have to worship earth. So, at the extreme, if you want to call it that, but like I say, I don't know where you cross that line. Once you start saying it's our job to save the planet, you've really bought into the false religion. Because what our Bible says is what I just told you for 15 minutes. God made it, gave it to us, he sustains it, and he'll destroy it when he's ready. If you change that story to one that we got to take care of this place or all life will end, then we've eliminated God. So at that end of it, of the environmentalism is a false religion, there's a big difference, is where I started this, between that and being a conservationist, and being a good steward of what you've been given and all of that. All farmers are conservationists. You know, they, they want to protect what they have. They want to do exactly what God said in Genesis 1. They want to subdue it, have dominion over it, and use it for their good. So they don't destroy things. They don't do things that would deprive them of what they've been blessed with. They're good stewards. They're conservationists, hunters and fishermen. They're often cast in the picture of anti-environmentalists. They're killing creatures because we worship creatures. Now, they're much better conservationists and stewards of the planet than all the Greenpeace kooks put together. I've paid more to save the planet than the CEO of Greenpeace, I bet. Okay? Because all of my life I've been buying hunting licenses and ammunition and guns, and all of that has taxed heavily for conservation. That's where hunting license fees go is to create create more environment for wildlife. Hunters and fishermen are the the best conservationists, the best environmentalists we got in the country. And and that's good. That's a good thing. You know, I buy federal duck stamps and stuff every year that I don't really use every year, and some of them are kind of expensive, but I buy them because... They're supporting conservation. So so I understand that end of it. And I brought my boys up not to litter. And when we went into the the country or something, we cleaned up after ourselves. And we left it better than we found it. And I understand all that. But that's different than throwing God out and saying, it's up to us to save the planet. And I don't know if I've explained that well or not. But we make that mistake sometimes. Okay, you know, you ask me, do you recycle? No, I don't recycle. It's not economically reasonable. It's not logical. And you tell people that, and they look at you like you want to destroy the earth tomorrow. You know, there's a difference here. Okay, so anyhow, conservation and environmentalism, two different things. The last thing I want to say, and we'll be done here, is this is a mistake we make, and I think it's, well, I know it's common, and it's getting more and more common, is the concept that creation care, 
environmentalism, saving the planet, whatever you want to call it, is a Christian duty. And even more than that, that it is the church's duty. That's more and more filtering in. It's already heavy, heavy, heavy in all the mainline denominations. Uh, you look up any mainline denomination, Methodist, Presbyterian, Disciples of Christ, anything you want to look up, look at their hierarchy headquarters website and look for their statement of beliefs. And way up there, usually even before salvation or anything like that, is here is our position, here's our doctrine on usually social justice is first, and then creation care comes in about second. It is our responsibility as a church to save the planet, to do creation care. Okay? Okay. Now, how they figured that out from the Bible that I just read to you, I don't know. Actually, I do know. They didn't figure it out from the Bible I read to you. They figured it out from the culture. This is what the culture says is good. So all the mainline denominations have gone there. This is their duty as a church. And so they write letters. They they vote for certain people. They contribute to causes that save the planet and, and on and on. Uh, in my notes, I had a thing I found back a few years ago. A bunch of denominations, all the major mainline ones, uh, wrote a letter to President Bush about trying to influence uh, environmental legislation. Here's one sentence in it that I wrote down. They said, preventing climate change is a preeminent expression of faithfulness to our Creator God. Okay? And I'm saying that's where we've gotten. We've decided that saving the planet, that being a environmentalist, that it's up to us to save things, is an expression of our faithfulness. This is what we have to do as a Christian and as a, a church. And, folks, that's not Bible. It's not the role of the church. It's not a role of a Christian. I thought about that. If you, you know, if if you want to recycle, if you want to spend time organizing things for saving the wetlands or whatever you want to do, that's fine. But I got to thinking about that. You know, Alex stood up here this morning during class. And told us about all the time he's investing in people. And how he's working at saving people. That's what the Bible talks about. It talks about laying up treasures there. You know, the only thing you can take there is souls. That's a Christian's duty. That's the church's duty. Not to save the planet. Now, and you may wonder, why is he worrying about this so much? Let me just read you from an article that was in the Christian Chronicle not too long ago. 
And it's the headline is Christian Colleges Go Green. Okay. And the whole article is about a number of our Christian colleges, Oklahoma Christian, uh, Lipscomb, Pepperdine, Lubbock, uh, Faulkner, forget which others ones were mentioned. Uh, but first it talks about how they're making more energy efficient facilities. Okay. Fine with me. I want an, I bought an air conditioner a year ago. I didn't say give me the least efficient one you got. You know, I want to pollute. I said give me the most efficient one you got. So I don't have money. Okay. So that's fine. But that's where the article starts. But then here's where it goes. It talks about all the colleges, Christian colleges, that now offer undergraduate majors and minors in sustainability. Uh, One university, I will stop mentioning university names now, uh, but one launched a center for sustainability. And the official center's in place, so now they have a green team. And the students in the green team go around and look for ways to save the planet. Uh, I said I wouldn't mention universities from now on, but the one about two hours south of here has 16 seniors and two juniors in an ecology class who analyze their campus's carbon footprint. Okay. Uh, they got, they got classes in this now, folks. They're teaching that this is our duty. Now, if they're just teaching that so kids can get a job, I understand it's a good job market these days. Everybody's into this stuff. But if you cross that line, which if I keep reading, I think maybe we're getting pretty close. Uh, the head of the Council for Christian Colleges said, there's been a galvanizing of the movement of creation care within the past five to ten years in Christian colleges. This is all faith-based colleges. Okay, um, and, and, and here's the statement. Activities at Christian colleges are about more than national trends. Going green is about faith and mission. Okay. Uh, Mr. W. from... A Christian college said he cares, and this is a professor type in charge of this stuff, he said he cares about the environment because God not only created the world, but also called people into relationship. He's given the earth to us, put us on it. There is a responsibility that God has given us. He wants us to take care of his earth, to take care of his animals, to take care of his water. He parallels the movement's values with the ideals of of God's kingdom. Sustainability is a cry out from society for true kingdom living. God has used his creation as a tool to reveal himself to men around the world. And when you believe that, then you are obliged not to destroy it. That is the call of our stewardship. And a student at... One university said, working with others to care for the environment is like going back to a Garden of Eden. 
To live and to know God is to be in harmony with people and animals and the environment. I'm sorry if I sound a little sarcastic or something, but that's just a lot of foolishness. You know? Understanding the difference between conservation and environmentalism may help you understand that. But to tie all of this into, this is what God wants us to do. And he wants us to be in relationship with his animals and the water and all that. You can go to any Unitarian church you want to and hear that all day long because God is in everything. Okay? The Bible tells a different story. The Bible says God created the earth and all the animals, and he gave it to us and said, you're in charge. You subdue it. You have dominion over it. And I will sustain it, and I will get rid of it when I'm ready. Big difference from what we're teaching and allowing to be taught today, if you will. All right, we were in First Peter. Let's finish in First Peter. First Peter three. After that part we read about God sustains it and He's going to destroy it when He's ready, and all of that, and everything's going to be burned up. Next verse, verse eleven. Peter says, "Since all these things are going to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be?" What ought you be doing? You know, if you want to spend your whole life saving the earth, okay, but it's going to burn up. It's going away when God's ready, and you won't make much difference. So what kind of person ought you to be? He says, live lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God. That's when things are going to be burned up. So... What kind of life should we live? I think we ought to focus a whole lot more on people than we do saving the planet. And uh, if that news item and questions stirred a thought in your mind, what should I be thinking about that? I hope maybe I've given you a few seeds for thought. The lesson is yours. If you're here this evening and want to respond to the Lord's invitation or have something you need from this family, we're going to sing a song of invitation. You can come if you need to. Brother Carl.